All right, everyone. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right. Welcome back. It is season two, episode 17. We are back after one week off and I am joined by my good friend. He just finished watching the review and replay he made of the Army-Navy game that he watches every night. Thomas (laughs) Bowen is here with us. Thomas, welcome in. Oh, thanks. I feel like I, I teed that one up for you as um, I was, uh, for those of you that don't know, giving, giving Andrew a little grief about loving that game because uh, as un-American as it may be, I can't stand that game, but at least uh, there was a little bit of excitement this year. And I will say the, the uniforms were pretty on point. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll give them that. Yeah. Now, I will say this. This is just me being a super nerd for just a second. The, 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 the um, Navy uniforms kind of looked... Almost like Captain America-esque. Yeah. But Captain America was in the Army. So, like, Ooh, that's, that's interesting. That's a deep dive that's right a there. Deep cut. Some, some SN, uh, MCU stuff. Uh, shout out to the Ringerverse. Shout out to the Midnight Boys. Pew Pew. Van Lathan and the group for uh, what they do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just I thought that was interesting that, that Army let Navy get away with that. I mean, Captain America is Army. Like, if you watch the movies and read the comics, he was in the Army. Yeah. So, anyway, frustrating for, for Army there. All right, getting into our first What the World. And, Thomas, you know, it's been two weeks since this happened, but I think the biggest one is Georgia. God. What the World, Georgia. You know, I, I don't... I, I feel like most people would say never saw that coming. We did talk about leading up to that game about how Georgia hadn't really been tested. They weren't battle tested. I really loved, as much as I'm obligated to dislike Nick Saban, Hmm. I loved his post-game presser with the yummy rat poison. Yes. Um, It was, but they came into that game with a brilliant plan. They knew that they could not run the ball against Georgia, against that front, and they came out slinging it, and boy, did they sling it. They slung it, and it slung it so well that it solidified Bryce Young as Heisman Trophy winner and as he should have been after that game and really his entire season, but that game really did kind of make sure it was happening for him. Uh, You know, like you said, not a, God, could you imagine that happening, but really – I. I agree. We mentioned they're not battle-tested, but Georgia looked so good all year. Mm -hmm. So good all year. It just goes to show how hard it is to beat Nick Saban. Um, You know, granted, I know that Texas A&M did it this year, and I know Jimbo was his first assistant to knock him off, which some some folks pointed out to me on on Twitter before the game, before the SEC championship. But it just doesn't happen very often. Like, Bama, Bama has to play poorly. The team the coaching staff will have that team in a position to win, and then Bama has to not play well. And that didn't happen in the SEC championship game. They played great, and there you go. Yeah, and it's just another example of uh, people talk about Saban being the GOAT when it comes to getting his guys up for big games, and that's exactly what they did. They looked very hot, cold all year, but when when it's time for SEC championship, they were ready to play, and they've got a lot of momentum going into the playoffs. Well, and it's all – we talk about sports dynamics all the time you know the, the 90s bulls the lakers of the of the 2000s of course the the showtime lakers of the 80s but i you and i were around a little bit more for for the bulls and the late lakers and you know i remember with the bulls as they got later into their sixth run they it became like yes they won 72 games that one year but they almost they 
they got to the point where they're like, ah, oh, you know, it's the regular season, whatever. We're, we're, we're going to lose one here or there. But then when playoffs came, they turned it on, especially with L.A. Lakers with Kobe and Shaq, and mm-hmm. that happened. So you see that with dynasties, and you see that like even with Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is a different player before his injuries and all of that in a major than he is on just a regular weekend tournament for the PGA Tour. And it's Saban gets his guys ready, and he's the anti-Will Muschamp in that <laughs> regard. Muschamp's biggest games at Carolina was when his teams played the worst. Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I just, I, it, it was just, it was a clinic to, to yeah. watch the, the offensive game plan, and a lot of Bama's success in that passing game was they knew that one of the, if not the weakest point in that Georgia defense was their nickelback, or as, as Kirby calls it, the star position, right. and he got picked on all night. Yes, you're exactly right about that. And Nick Saban, I feel like, is this like mental assassin. Like I think it's one of the reasons if you were one of his assistant coaches, it's so hard to beat him. I feel like the whole time you're on his staff, he's he's profiling you. Absolutely. Like he he's watching every tendency you make and taking note for one day when you're gonna he's gonna have to play against you and he's gonna expose you. And mm-hmm. it, it's like he knew okay Kirby's gonna do this, Kirby's gonna do that, and it was just a, a clinic like you said, and it it just really was impressive. So switching to a look around college football. Um, First thing we'll talk about, we've been talking about new head coaches. We already touched on this guy, but he's gotten off to such a rough start, I feel like we're going to have to talk about him again. Brian Kelly, you and I talked about not liking that fit, and, and, and we're being proven very right right now. What was the fake Southern accent that he developed being introduced oh, to the LSU fans at the basketball I'm, game? I'm here with my family. <laughs> it was it was so bad and it just comical, and it was and that was exactly what I thought. I didn't think that exactly that right. he would come in with some kitschy accent like that. Right. But that's the type of thing that we thought about when we said he's not a good fit down there. He is obviously a good coach. Sure. He's a successful coach. Right, but. It's just it's gonna be interesting to see how well he meshes with that community. Yeah, I completely agree. And that they had to be if I would have been a Gamecock fan, let's say Brian Kelly came to Carolina, you know, for whatever reason, like you said, great football coach. We, but if I'd have been at that game as a Gamecock fan and, and he was there and he's talking in this horrible aristocratical <laughs> southern ancient accent attempt. I would have been like, "What's happening? Yeah. Like, did this guy have a stroke? What is yeah. happening Tear right up now?" The contract and you know, like, here. take get out, get him out, get him out. So he's gonna have to, in my opinion, uh, bounce back from that. Yeah. And, and so we'll <laughs> see what happens there. Speaking of Notre Dame, where he left, I think they hit a home run Agreed. in keeping Marcus Freeman, defensive coordinator, there as the head coach. You saw the video, if you're a football fan, of him being introduced at Notre Dame's locker room and the kids, the players going bananas. Yeah. They were so excited. And I, that's half the battle. He's well thought of on the recruiting trail. All you need to know is Brian Kelly wanted him to come be defensive coordinator with him yeah. at LSU. He's highly, highly thought of. I think he is a home run hire. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it, and it's great for, for Notre Dame, too, from a continuity standpoint when you've got a guy on staff like that. Now, of course – Devil's advocate here, and I don't think this is going to happen, but you know, we've seen situations like this where there is an assistant on the staff, the, 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 the second to the man in charge who gets promoted when, when the guy leaves. I'm thinking of Holbrook coming after Tanner for South right. Carolina baseball. Sure. And it doesn't always work out because those guys that have always been there for the players and been the pick them up and dust them off, now they've got to be the, the head guy right. and they've got to handle things a little bit differently. So I'll be interested to see how he handles that. Uh, and that's very true. And, you know, 
head coaches say all the time, except for a guy like a, a, a Steve Spurrier or Elaine Kiffin who's calling their own plays, a lot of times they, they got to do a lot of administrative work, for the lack of a better term. You don't get to coach football as much as you used to when you were a coordinator or even a position coach. And uh, one of the coaches I worked with in my career as, as a high school coach, Coach Gentry, Justin Gentry at Chapin, he pointed out to me one time, he said, some guys are great position coaches, some guys are great coordinators, some guys are great head coaches. And it's just, it might, I, the first person who comes to my mind is Ellis Johnson. Ellis Johnson is a great defensive coordinator. If Ellis, I, as much as I love Clayton, if Ellis said, hey, I want to come back, he'd be like, all right, you know, let's think about this. Could we do a co-thing, you know, maybe? At least he, an analyst. Right, yeah. let's do something. Um, but as a head coach, Really poor record, yes. you know, did not do great. So that's that's a, a prime example there. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Speaking of another career defensive coordinator assistant, Brent Venables from Clemson. We all know him. He is now the head coach, finally, at Oklahoma. It was rumored, it was rumored, it was official. Then it wasn't official, then it was official. It's official, official. <laughs> he is the head coach of the Sooners. And he brought with him from Ole Miss – Jeff, is it Libby? Is that how I say that? Levy. Levy. He, he's, uh, you know, granted, Lane Kiffin's kind of calling his own plays, but you're learning from him as you go. I think that's a good hire just right out the gate. Agree. Hurts uh, Ole Miss, I think, as well. Um, so I think Venables is in the right place. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that was, uh, as, as much as I've hated Venables just because he has just destroyed South Carolina right. for so many years, um, phenomenal defensive mind, maybe currently one of the best DCs in the game. Right. Um, it'll be, uh, again, he's another guy that I'll be interested to see how he handles that CEO head coach right. type of role. Um, I will say of a lot of these hires that have been career coordinators going to head coaches, I think at least as of right now, he is probably positioned the best to have the most success there. Um, and Oklahoma is obviously, obviously he was he was part of Bob Stoop's staff, yep. and Bob, big game Bob, is still very involved with in yep. Oklahoma, and I'm sure that had a lot to do with getting him there to Oklahoma, um, and they're going to give him all the resources in the world that he needs. He is a he is a lockdown, top shelf recruiter. He's going to get talent in there, and I mean in that conference, he he's kind of going from a similar situation in the ACC where, you know, up until now. The ACC was Clemson's for the taking for the last five, six years. Right now, going there, Big 12, same thing. It's there for the taking, just like Lincoln Riley won it every single year. It's there for the taking. So if he can hit the ground running and really get a stranglehold on things, he could have a lot of success there. I agree with you there. And and the other thing you have to think about there, excuse me, he's not taking over a rebuild. Right. He, uh, they, they are fine. Now, they, they've had some guys, and we're going to talk about them because uh, they come home and come to Carolina. They, they, they had some guys leaving the transfer portal. Um, but overall, their talent is still high. This isn't Brian Kelly at LSU where they were rebuilding. It certainly isn't Shane Beamer coming to Carolina and having to rebuild from literally the ground up and or below maybe in a hole a little bit. And yeah. So that's a good thing for him. It's just going to be interesting. I agree with you. My biggest thing is – is he that CEO? Right. Is he that CEO? And and he's watched it be done. He's seen it be done. Bob Stoops, as much as we don't want to say it, Dabo Sweeney with his success, he's seen it. He's watched it. And I he was I believe Venables was on, or he maybe played for Snyder at Kansas State. Did he played. Yeah, he State? played at Kansas okay. State. Okay. So I mean, he's seen some good head coaches in yeah, his day sure. as both a player and as assistant. So he's going to find his way. But I think it's a good hire. Um, another Clemson uh, coordinator. 
Uh, Tony Elliott has been hired as the head coach at UVA. Interesting what a year can do. Remember a year ago, around this time, everybody wanted him to be head coach. Mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys were calling. Everybody was calling. I, you know, bad offense this year for Clemson, or you know, relatively speaking, not to their standard of late. And all of a sudden, those jobs aren't as high level. It's UVA calling. It's Duke calling. It's not the the, the big boys anymore, which is okay. I think there's something to be said. Obviously, Shane Beamer jumped all the way into the SEC. Sometimes it's okay. Let's start at a, a UVA. And, you know, expectations aren't, aren't as high. At least they do want to win at UVA, but they're not expecting a championship and even an ACC championship in the next two or three years. Right. I mean, Bronco Media had gotten them to, to a really good program when he was there, but they aren't coming off of, you know, national championships and this and that and the other. He's going to have some, some time and a patient fan base, I think. So I think that's going to help him there as well. What do you think of that hire by, by the yeah. Years? Yeah, I think I think it is a good hire and it's also a good it's good timing for for Elliot as well. I mean, Virginia has uh you you mentioned that Bronco Mendenhall has done a good job there. That was a very unexpected resignation there. Um but Virginia's has some success of late. They've had a good offense. They've got Brennan Armstrong. I don't even remember what year he is, but phenomenal quarterback. There's talent there. And I think it's been kind of known that that Tony was was is is wanted to go to one of those more academically minded schools. I mean, I think he's a Georgia Tech guy, yep. engineer, yep. Um, lot smarter than you and I. Most and yeah, definitely. So that's why it doesn't surprise me that he was he was being courted by UVA and Duke. One of the interesting things that that I that I've been following here, and he is at least according to the insider boards for UVA, he's taking his time with his staff. He's evaluating the current staff, who he wants to keep on. Mendenhall is still around, at least in some sort of advisory consultant capacity, right. which I think will be huge for Tony Elliott sure. to, to work with some staff continuity there. Um, but could he be bringing some guys with him for Clemson? Mm-hmm. It's always a possibility. Sure. Some names that I've seen pop up, um, Taj Boyd, who was the current Office of Player Development at Clemson, he could get a look. Mike Reed, who was the cor- who was the current cornerbacks, the DBs coach at Clemson, and was recently promoted to the special teams coordinator, he could get a look at DC as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, you've got also um, actually this one has been hired now, I believe, but I don't think it's been officially announced. Adam Smotherman, mm. who's the current senior assistant strength and conditioning coach at CU, but. Listeners, and you and I probably know Smotherman more as he was Venable's get-back guy. Ah, I was yeah, pulling, him, pulling back. him back. You and I have had a lot of discussions yeah. about, and I think it is just pathetic that you need a get-back guy, but that's for another episode. Yeah, Thomas Thomas has an issue with, with adults who need uh, another adult to hold them off the field. And I get it. Uh, I do. But you can get caught up in the heat of the moment, that's for sure. Um, and the get-back coach should be for the players. That's usually who he's yelling at Sure, is get-back, yeah. get-back. You know, we're talking about 18-year-old, 21-year-old, 20 two-year-old players but yeah an adult man i can see it we, we do need to have making millions of dollars that's correct control yourself yes control yourself so i get you i got you there all right moving into today's early signing day big um, day you know, big we, day we are currently talking on wednesday and it is early signing day and you know it was some big big days you know south carolina i'm going to skip down for just a second we were going to talk about and we still will talk about their recruiting here in a second at one point i had beamer and company killing it on the recruiting trail i still think they did a great job oh, yeah. of course the big 
defection was, is it Jay Sean? Is that how I say yes. it? Jay Sean? Barham. Barham decided after on Saturday saying he decided he was going to play for South Carolina, made a, a signing, signing day switch and went to Maryland. And from what I could see briefly on the Maryland insider boards that I read, they didn't know this was coming. Yeah. Like, I think the Maryland coaches maybe did, but these others didn't. And, you know, guys, here's the thing. Fans get upset. Fan is short for fanatic. We, You know, those of us who were Gamecock fans love Carolina, this, that, and the other. You know, but here's the thing. 18-year-old kid. 18-year-old kid. Thomas, I don't I, – I knew you when you were 18. You knew me when I was 18. We weren't always making the smartest choices. <laughs> Rarely. And so, I'm not saying you didn't make a good choice. I'm just saying he may have – gotten hyped up about Carolina and then went, oh, you know, man, I got to leave Maryland. I got to leave my family. I gotta... Changed his mind. So that was a tough one for the Gamecocks. Uh, the biggest thing coming out, I, I'll say the biggest thing, one of the biggest things in my opinion, Travis Hunter, cornerback, depending on who you, what site you look at, number one or number two recruit in the country, mm-hmm. was committed to go to Florida State, expected to go to Florida State, and then today signed with Jackson State. Of the SWAC conference, head coach, primetime himself, Deion Sanders, and now there's rumors, or I don't know if it's confirmed or a rumor, that Barstool Sports was involved in an NIL deal for $1.5 million <laughs> for him to go to Jackson State to coach for to play for Dion. Oh, wow. Just wow. Has there ever been – this is this is historical. I, I, NIL aside, has there ever been – uh, a top recruit in the country that flips from Power 5 to HBCU. Never. I don't think that has ever happened. Never. Absolutely. Right? No question. Now, sure, there is something to be said if he is a cornerback wanting to go play for arguably one of the greatest cornerbacks to ever play in the game. Um, but and, – and there's a lot of people going around like, well, the NIL deal, like how does that work? Look, you can't tell me that there – that that doesn't come into play. Now, I realize that technically NIL deals are supposed to work when somebody's already on campus, they're already on roster, but there's no way to police that. You can't right. tell me that that did not play a factor in his flip. Right. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's just, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. Like, like, I mean, I get it to an extent. I just, it's hard to, to understand to me. It's hard to understand. But you know, hey, it's a new day. Do what you want. You know, Dion's going to get you on TV playing for Coach Prime, and, and it's just interesting. Now, speaking of NIL deals, transfer portal, I think this is a perfect time to bring up. I saw a quote today. We were, we were mentioning earlier about Clemson, and, and we've talked before about Dabo has, has made it known that he is he's not a fan of the portal, he's not a fan of NIL deals, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. There was a quote that I saw today from Dabo, he said, it's chaos right now, tampering galore, adults manipulating young men, education is like the last thing now. He goes on, that's end quote, he goes on to call for the return of one-year sit for transfers and get that year back upon graduation. He said, quote, keep the focus on graduation and education. Here's the thing, Andrew, adults manipulating young men is what recruiting has always been. Exactly what it is. And Dabo has done very well with it. That's right. Honestly, this sounds like sour grapes. I know Dabo has always preached education, and that's great, and you're an educator, mm-hmm. and it is very important. But let's be honest, a lot of these kids, they're going to college to get in the league. Absolutely. And the fact that coaches can bounce around right. and not have to sit out, why are they going to make those kids sit out? Well, and that's the thing. That, that is what this is about, in my opinion, with, with those, the, the transfer portal and the, and the one-time get-out-of-jail-free-card type approach 
it takes some power away from the coaches. Yeah. They, if a kid comes to Clemson and as a freshman says, God, I, just, I don't like it, I don't want to be here, he doesn't have to think, but if I leave, I sit out a year. I lose a year of eligibility. So now that co- those coaching staffs, those coaches, don't have that power anymore. Right, yeah. You know, kind of in the same vein, and I didn't have this on the rundown, but it just reminded me, did you see what Gene Chizik said about oh, players yes. getting $50,000 and this, that, and the other? Like, Gene, dude, you were a college football coach making millions of dollars, and your players were the one. Like, let's be honest about what football is. I love football. You love football. That's why we do this right now. We loved playing. You know, all of those things. If someone would have let me and I'd had the God-given ability, I'd still be playing football today. But let's be honest about the fact that playing football is very dangerous. Yes. It can not just injure you. It can potentially put you in a wheelchair. Yeah. Every play. For every sure. play. And these guys are putting their bodies quite literally on the line. And this guy comes out and says that players at Texas, offensive linemen at Texas getting a $50,000 NIL deal just to come to Texas is wrong. And it's bad for America or something nonsensical like that. Hey, maybe, maybe your coaching buddies ought to make less money. Yeah. Maybe that should happen. Right. Like, have you seen what head coaches are making, Chizik? Like, did you see the deal that Brian Kelly got, that Lincoln Riley got, and you're you're complaining and saying it's un-American or whatever nonsense you tried to say that some players at Texas are going to make $50,000? Give me a break. Yeah. Like, yes, NIL has changed the, the, the landscape. That with the transfer portal. We are feeling more like pro football yeah. and less like college football every day. Yeah. Like, we are. And we're going to get to a point that we may not recognize, you and I may not recognize what used to be NCAA rules. Right. And, and, you know, quite honestly, I'm all right with that. Because guess what was happening? Guys were skirting the rules anyway. Yeah. We've yeah. known that. It's always been going on. And so now it's open, out in the open. Yeah, you now may as well level the right. playing field. If, if some people are doing it and some aren't, now, and guess what? I'm not going to throw too much shade here, but guess what Dabo may not like? Yeah. Now everybody's doing it, Dabo. Exactly. And, I mean, I'm not saying. I'm just, just pointing something out, man. Just pointing something out. But here is uh, the thought there, finally. It does change the game. It changes the game. These coaches have to adjust. They have to adjust. And guess what? Just like in the NFL, now players have more power. Mm-hmm. If you are riding me, riding me, riding me as a player, and I don't feel like you're treating me right, and I don't feel like I'm getting the playtime I deserve, or whatever the case may be, I can leave. Yeah, at least one time. Just like non-athlete students can transfer to another college any point they want to. And also make money while they're in that. Being a college athlete at the D1 level, football or otherwise, is a job. Yeah. Is a job. And and it's just they're finally getting paid for it. All right, switching gears, we're going to go into the South Carolina Bowl game, talk a little recruiting, talk transfer portal, which at this point for South Carolina is probably the biggest story we have but we will be playing in the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl against the North Carolina Tar Heels. So as far as South Carolina goes, guys who have said they are not playing, Jason Brown has said he is transferring. We'll talk about why that is in just a moment. So he is not playing in the bowl game. J.J. Inikbare has come out today and said he is not playing. He's got potential first-round draft status can understand not wanting to risk. We just talked about every football play can be your last. Not to risk that 
um, uh, on, on the Mayonnaise Bowl, the Duke Mayonnaise Bowl, but, you know, that's the same. And then Z. White, Zaquandre Wright, is also sitting out. He has said that he is sitting out, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. I knew he had declared for the draft. I just didn't know if he had said he was sitting out. Yeah. That, as far as, North, as South Carolina goes, is who we know are not playing, right? Correct, yeah. At this point. I know Kevin Harris has said he is going to play, but he's starting to give people the indication it may be his last game as a Gamecock. Yeah. Um, and I can kind of understand that yeah. as well. You know, running backs only have so many miles on their legs and bodies, and, you know, he had 1,000 yards a year ago. He was banged up this year. Yeah. He may be saying, I, I don't want to risk it any more than I already yeah. have. Yeah, and, I can't and, blame him. And so I don't blame him there. The thing about it is I haven't heard very much of UNC guys sitting out. Yeah, which and I, and I was I was talking to uh, my father-in-law and some in-laws today on a group text as we were following signing day, and and we were talking about that. Why? Honestly, I have no idea why Sam Howell, the quarterback of UNC, is exactly. playing in this game. Exactly. First of all, there's there is nothing he can do to help his draft stock Absolutely. in this game. The only that there's there's nothing good that can come out right. of it. I mean. Best case, he gets out of that game unscathed and doesn't get hurt. Worst case, he blows his knee out. Right, right. I mean, I, I just I, I don't get it. And and people people can scream all they want about like playing for your players for the love of the game. Here's the thing, and you and I have talked about this a lot. Mm-hmm. The bowl games that are not playoff right. games are meaningless. That's right. Sure, to us as fans, sure, we want to win, right. but in the grand scheme of things, it means nothing. That's right. If anything, getting to a bowl game gives you an extra month of practice. That's right. Which is which is coaches always want as much practice That's as right. possible. But otherwise, there's there's no reason for him to be playing in that game, and I don't understand it. And and I and I hope he, he he's he's safe, doesn't get right. hurt or anything, because you never want to see anybody get hurt. But I just don't understand it. I I truly don't understand it either. Uh, like you said, I don't know what the the positive comes out of it. Even if you are, say he comes in, and, and I don't want to see this happen as a Gamecock fan, say he comes in and lights us up, throws five touchdowns, whatever, is that really going to change your draft status? Definitely not. Not. It's just not going to. So, I listen, I, I if he wants to play, good on him. You know, he's, he's honoring his commitment to his teammates, to his coaches, whatever the case may be. Seems very dangerous. With, with a very big downside and – I can't really say there's much of an upside. No. And so that just seems odd. So we did touch briefly on Carolina and recruiting, South Carolina that is. Um, we talked about uh, Jay Sean leaving, but the Gamecocks still had a very good class. Stone Blanton, is that his last yep. name? Huge pickup. Uh, you got the Samson kid out of Texas, wide mm-hmm. receiver, really good player. Um, you've, you've got some really good recruiting talent coming in. I think I read – and I don't think I knew this. Maybe I just blocked this out because it was so frustrating. That last year's recruiting class was ranked 79th. Is, is that right? Maybe. That, I don't know. And and so this at the beginning of the day today, there was a chance South Carolina could have been top 15, top this. Ended up at like 24, I think. And it all came from Jay Sean going back to Maryland. Yeah. So one player. That's a huge, big drop, and it's one player. Yeah. And, and so that just tells you how close it all is. But overall... Given what South Carolina was fighting against, what they had to do, I felt like it was a strong recruiting period. And you still do have the later signing period, but you know nowadays with the early signing period, that's become kind of when your big recruits sign, um, minus a few here and there. So, Thomas, what was your take on our recruiting? Yeah, and, and, and I'm not going to do the typical coach speak, you know, filled a lot of needs here and there, um, but it's true, we did. Um, and compared, like you said, to you know, 79th, 80th last year, 
um, what, what Beamer has been able to do is phenomenal. When you factor in the transfer portal right. that we're going to touch on in a minute, yep. particularly pulling a preseason Heisman candidate right. and his starting tight end out of Oklahoma, I don't think we could have asked for much better. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And, and we'll go ahead and switch to that transfer portal situation. Spencer Radler is coming to South Carolina. Thomas, I have to tell you, when I first heard all about all like that he was supposedly interested in us, I thought this was a Gamecock message board pipe dream. <laughs> right. Like this five-star Heisman Trophy candidate guy wants to come to South Carolina. I was just like, what? I, I you know, I I love to think as a Gamecock, hey man, he wants to come play for us. Shane Beamer, obviously, there's a connection there. They've they've been uh, together at, at Oklahoma before this. And here's the thing: I'm just going to go ahead and stop the record on this nonsense that he had a really bad year. He didn't really have that bad of a year. He, I think, was fourth in the country in passing rating mm-hmm. and had a high percentage completion. Here's the thing: Caleb Williams, their quarterback, their freshman. Just really, really good. Yeah, and it, he was going to have to do everything to keep him off field. Did he live live up to this Heisman hype? Maybe not. There was a little bit more interceptions, and you'd like to see some turnovers and stuff. But I don't like the narrative. And of course, I'm a gamecock. I can talk myself into anything. But you hear the other around the country. You know, mostly coming from the upstate in Clemson. Oh, he had a terrible year. Da 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 da. It wasn't terrible. No. It wasn't great to what he wanted it to be and what Oklahoma wanted it to be, but it wasn't terrible. Yeah, and and I look at it this way. Look, but the entire record notwithstanding, the entire Oklahoma team did not have a great year this right. year. Their offense sputtered left and right. Coaching, maybe offensive line, maybe. But the point that that the main point that I like to look at here, and no disrespect to any quarterback currently on the roster at South Carolina. Regardless of the year that Rattler had this season at Oklahoma, when you can get a legitimate preseason Heisman candidate on your roster, it is an instant upgrade. Absolutely. It is not only an instant upgrade at that position, but it's an instant upgrade when it comes to national relevance. Right. When, uh, I heard they were mentioned, they were talking about it on Dan Patrick's show earlier this right. week. It's probably been maybe since the Spurrier era, since I've even heard South Carolina mentioned on Dan Patrick's Oh, absolutely, show. yeah. 100% national sports radio talking about South Carolina has not happened since Steve Spurrier was our coach. Yeah, and, and people people also like to mention, well, you know, we, we've heard that he's a, he's a locker room problem. Here's the thing. Number one, do any of us know that, or we just right. repeat things that right. we've read? Number two is... You know, you got to think that somebody as talented as him getting benched like that, losing his job, is going to be a little bit of humble pie, for lack of a better term. He's going to come in here and work. Um, And I have full confidence in Beamer and staff, regardless of how talented some kid is, if they're not a good culture fit, they're not going to bring him in. I totally agree with that. And here's the thing. Shane Beamer worked with this kid for three years, like right? He, you know, he wasn't his position coach. He was in the locker room with him. Yeah, and he was one of his recruiters, yeah, I think. Too. I believe he was, and he was in coaches' meetings. So I mean, that coaches' meeting, your quarterback coach or whoever is going to be the guy who says, you know, Rattler's having a bad attitude. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. And obviously, Shane Beamer for over a three-year period said, yeah, he's he's fine. You know, he can come play for us. That I, that says all I need to know. Austin, is it Austin's his first name? The tight yeah, end? Austin. Austin Stogner. Uh, he is coming to South Carolina as well. Starting tight end for, for Oklahoma as well. You know, as much as there were problems 
with we're going to talk about Coach Satterfield here in a minute and the offense or lack thereof of South Carolina this year. There was one thing that you can say: tight ends were featured. Yeah, tight sure. ends were targeted. So I can understand Austin Stogner going, "Hey, I mean, I can get some balls thrown my way down in Columbia, South Carolina." So it does could take us to Marcus Satterfield. He's been brought up so many times on this show, and, uh. and you know we've you and I. If anybody wants to listen to the past, you know, sixteen episodes of this <laughs> this show, you know of this season. He has frustrated you and I tremendously. The thing is, if you read in, I think it was in the State and in the Charlotte newspaper, one of the things that Spencer Radler's quarterback coach, his personal quarterback coach, talked about was that Radler wanted to play in a pro-style offense because ultimately his goal, obviously, is to get drafted in the NFL, and he liked what Satterfield was doing. I don't know how, because I didn't like watching it. But <laughs> I don't really know what he was doing. Yeah, I, I don't think he did either. So I would say, in my opinion, I don't see Marcus Satterfield going anywhere anymore. Here is, and I told you this through a text message, here's what I think, I hope, will happen. That there will be a new offensive assistant. I don't know what position that's going to be. You know, Coach Atkins may retire. You know, there's different, other things happen. People go to new staffs, whatever. I My hope is that Coach Beamer brings in another offensive assistant with pro-style play-calling background to help to help Satterfield make some game-day decisions. And it's got to be somebody that Satterfield will listen to. So that's that's been one of the things that we've heard. And again, you mentioned with Radler the, the noise about not being a good locker room guy. We have read and seen that Coach Satterfield isn't always best at taking feedback and listening to his position coaches. That could all be not true. That could all be not true. And could be somebody took a message out of context. Somebody was frustrated after a loss, a position coach, if he would just listen to me, you know, that type of thing. But I do think he needs some support. And I hope it's coming. Uh, Thomas, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, see, I've been going back and forth on Satterfield here, and I think there is there is always the possibility, and I, I'm not saying that this is true or I've read this or I've heard this, but there's always the possibility that that maybe there is a change coming. Maybe right. Shane already knows the change is coming. Maybe that has been communicated to Rattler, and he knows what's coming. He knows what's going to happen, but... For purposes of continuity and for purposes of the bowl game, because there's nobody else on staff that he trusts or that has the ability to call plays, well, we got to keep Satterfield around for the bowl game. Right. And then who knows? It could be 24 hours after the bowl game ends, Satterfield's gone. Yep. Maybe not. Yep. Maybe we pull Joe Brady in right. to help Satterfield out. We know there's a connection there. Right. Now, granted, I am not one of those people that, that is is singing Joe Brady's praises. I mm-hmm. think we've talked before. He's... He struggled a little bit at Carolina, and to be honest, at, at the success he had at LSU was all-world talent, as well as probably Steve Insminger was the was yeah, the one that made right. that offense really go. Absolutely. But I, I think you could see something there because I I can't get over the fact that pro style, regardless, I can't see a talent like Rattler wanting to come here based on that offensive product on the field. I just don't understand it. So that's why I think there has to be a change coming in some capacity. You may be right about that. I, I, I'm wondering, you know, that apparently there was a, a Zoom call or a virtual meeting between Radler and our staff, and, and he asked a lot of really good questions is what's being said. 
um, on Twitter. I saw that and stuff like that. So maybe he had questions that he needed answered, and, and the answers were there. Um, and they, one of those answers might be continuity. We're keeping Coach Satterfield right now. He's going to go here. We're bringing in this person. Who knows? Um, last thing about Carolina and this. I mean, Thomas, I feel like I know this answer just from knowing you and, and the fact that you're a true Southerner, you're going to feel this way. Duke's mayonnaise, like, that's the only mayonnaise, right? Like you're Absolutely. Not, yeah, you're not using anything Absolutely. else. Absolutely. And, and, and anybody that tries to say Miracle Whip is mayonnaise, yeah, no. it says so right on the jar. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not mayonnaise. No. And Hellman's don't. Don't ever bring it yeah. to me. Like, no. absolutely not. So no. we're just making sure everybody's on the same page there. Duke, Duke's Mayonnaise, I know you're sponsoring the bowl. If you want to sponsor us, we're open to that possibility. Get it at a discount, too. Yeah, discount, that'd be great. Uh, all right, moving into the Clemson Bowl game and, and where they are right now in their uh, offseason. The Cheez-It Bowl, not where Clemson planned to be at the beginning of this, of this season, uh, <laughs> against Iowa State. The first thing I'm going to say here or ask here. What's Clemson's mindset coming into this game? God, th- this is this is another one of those games, uh, and we talked earlier in the season about when when we started to see some some cracks in in, in Clemson and some struggles there about how Dabo was going to manage the locker room. This is another example of how's he going to manage the locker room going into this, albeit worthless, pointless bowl, right. just just like the Duke's Mayo Bowl is, sure. as I said earlier. Right. It, it right. means nothing when they've been playing for playoffs for the last sure. hundred years, it seems like. <laughs> but if you couple that with the fact that the OC and the DC are both gone, That's right. and, and, and we'll talk later about their, their promotions from within, but it's going to be really interesting to see the focus going into this game, and I just don't see a whole lot. He's, there's, still, there's still guys that, that haven't announced primarily probably some defensive guys up front that haven't really announced their intentions, their plans for the future. So they could be without, you know, somebody like, uh, you know, any of those big guys up front that are still healthy enough to be playing. Absolutely. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that game because I think on the flip side of that, Ohio, uh, Ohio Iowa State is coming to play. Absolutely. Because they, they, they have not been playing for, for national championships for the That's last right. six years. That's right. And and I agree with you there, how geared up and excited. And football is the really the main sport I played growing up. You know, I played, you know, like church league basketball, little league baseball. So football, to me, is different than other sports. you got to come in with the right mindset as a football player. You've got to be focused. You've got to be fired up. You've got to be ready to go or you can get your tail whipped really easily. I feel like you can go to a baseball game and be a little bit not focused. A basketball game, you don't got to be hyped up and, and jacked up, ready to go. Football, you better be ready to strap it on and go. And I just wonder, is Clemson going to be ready? And you're right. Matt Campbell at Iowa State is going to have the Cyclones ready to play. And I don't know if you saw the video of him on senior day with them and like he's one that he truly loves those players. Like he was crying. It's not an act. It's not that it looks so genuine. And you know, you and I talked about it. his name comes up all the time. Is he going to be the next head coach here? Next head coach here? I think that guy just likes Iowa State, and and he may be there for a little while. And the players will feed off that. They're going to be excited. That's going to be interesting to watch. So we've mentioned briefly here. Clemson is going to have a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator, obviously, in this bowl game. And it's going to be, I would only stand to imagine, Brandon Streeter, who's been named their new offensive coordinator, a former mm-hmm. Clemson quarterback uh, at Clemson. He was, was he under West, Tommy West, or was he under Bowden? 
I don't know. That's I don't a good remember. question. I don't remember. Anyway, he's been on staff. He's now the OC. And then and it, let's talk real quick before that. He's never called plays before. With the exception of the uh, – wasn't it the sem, the semifinals last year? Oh, that's Elliot right. Elliot was out with COVID. He had COVID, that's right. And, and if you remember correctly, and, and because of the COVID protocols, Elliot had to be completely out of the stadium, no right. contact, that's anything right. like that. That's right. Clemson's first drive, which obviously was probably scripted by Tony Elliott with right. them, looked great, and right. then they kind of stumbled after little, that. Got a little shaky. Yeah. Got a little shaky. Yeah, that is true. I forgot about that. So you got a guy who's other than one time, and it wasn't exactly a, a home run, never called plays out there. It's a, it's a promotion within. Here's the thing. I, there's two thoughts on that. I, you know, Dabo has got to be thinking he's – continuity he knows the system we can keep running the same system same terminology same concepts and there's no miss there for the players i guess is a thought there but you're at this point and it i hate even having to say this out loud it makes me want to vomit like they're a perennial program right now yeah clemson could probably honestly get anybody they wanted either one of these spots offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator and there's a loyalty there that's great you know i I just – it's scary if you're a Clemson fan, in my opinion, to look at what's going on right now. And yeah, and it's crazy if you look at the fact that Dabo has not hired anyone who was not either a Clemson guy or somebody he knew from Bama since 2013. That's wild. And and that was Mike Reed, the, the, the DB's coach, which is just crazy that's to wild. me. Now, granted – he he is he's had success. He obviously they've had success, and he knows what he's doing. But the big kicker here is is like you said, they could have gone and gotten almost anybody they wanted to, and a lot of Clemson fans that I've been talking to are very very cautious about this and very wary. A lot of them are are bigger on the DC guy that we'll talk about yep, in a minute, but right. particularly from an offensive standpoint, when with all the offensive woes they had this year, a lot of them wanted to clean house and just start fresh on the offense. And I can understand that. Yeah. I mean if if the offense had been clicking like it had been and Tony Elliott goes to be a head coach, then you say, okay, we're gonna put this Brandon Streeter in place. Okay, well, you know, just next guy up, but just like a player. But it didn't work great this year. Right. It didn't work great this year. So you mentioned him briefly here. New defensive coordinator, very interesting career path here. Wes Goodwin is the new defensive coordinator for for Clemson. I will say I read he was highly thought of enough by Venables that he wanted to take him to Oklahoma with him. Yeah. Not to be his defensive coordinator, but to be on his staff. Yeah. Very interesting guy. Was a student assistant at Mississippi State. And what I learned today, for the first little bit of that time, on the baseball team, he switched to football after a little while and got interested. He had played high school football, played offensive line in high school, smaller school in Alabama. But he there was a connection Somebody he knew, I believe, was a pitcher on this on the Mississippi State team. That guy helped him get on as a, assist, a, a student assistant. And then a coach on the football team was from his same hometown uh, back in Alabama, and that's how he made his way over to Mississippi State football. Wow. So, Sylvester Croom was there at the time. Mm-hmm. Joe Judge was a graduate assistant, head coach of the Giants right now. Shane Beamer was also a, a, a graduate assistant on that staff during this time. And then, so where he really blew up, Kroom was very impressed with him, but where he really blew up was with Bruce Arenas in Arizona. And 
He, I read an article today, Chris Lowell on ESPN wrote about him. You know, if you know SEC football or Southern football and it's college football, Chris Lowell's the guy to Lowe's the guy to listen to and read. Um, he talked about Arenas like moved his assistant, his administrative assistant's office so that Goodwin could be right beside him. <laughs> and like apparently he would draw up every single blitz that took place in the NFL the week before and tell Arenas, this is what everybody's doing. Here's how you need to adjust the game plan. Like he's seen as this football savant. What he has not done is ever be an on-field position coach or called any kind of play at any kind of level. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the biggest kicker for me is because and you can have all of the football smarts in the world. Right. Uh, people people used to talk all the time about, you know, when it comes to a whiteboard and drawing up X's and O's, Kurt Roper was a phenomenal offensive coordinator. Right. In game adjustments, calling things on the fly, he was terrible. Absolutely. I mean, Gamecock fans saw that, Florida fans saw that. That's right. So it is it is wildly different from being able to put it on a whiteboard and recognize things than to be in the heat of battle right. and being able to call the right plays. Well, and being able you any good coordinator, offensive or defensive, during the game, you gotta be able to kind of a feel for the guy you're yeah. coaching against. Mm-hmm. And you gotta kind of be able to predict his next move. And you can do it analytically. You can do all those percentages. Well, during this, you know, for X amount of games on third and two from from this yard line, this is what they did on offense, or this is how they stopped on defense. That's great, but coaches aren't computers. They're human beings. And and the way they called it against X team three weeks ago may not be the way they call it against you. You you know, the old saying of, of Steve Spurrier was that he could take his and beat you, or could take you and beat beat take yours and beat his. He was in your head. Yeah. You know, that Georgia game that was just a slacking, what was that, 2012, I think? Yeah. I think where so. we just dominated. It didn't matter what they were doing on, for Georgia on defense. Spurrier was a step ahead. Yeah. And and great play callers are like that. Yeah. They, and Venables was like Venables that. Venables is like that. So Saban. Yeah. You know, he's a CEO now. He's got a defensive coordinator. But I promise you he's he's talking into that heads, headset. And yeah. Saying, hey, they're going to try this. You know, so like you said. Drawing it on a whiteboard is, is different. It's different. And, and this is a just very interesting hire. Again, you are Clemson. You, you are a, a two-time national champion, played for a third, been in the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. So many coaches want to come coach for you. Yeah. So many coaches want to come coach for you, and, and you're taking a risk here. An, in my opinion, an unnecessary risk. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that they, they didn't at least test the waters, at right. least go out there and interview some guys because you, you never know, like, somebody may come in and just blow you away in the interview. That's right. You know, in, in our professional lives, I interview people for jobs, you interview That's people. Right. A lot of times somebody on paper, I'm like, well, this person's all right, but let's interview them. And then they blow you That's away. That's exactly right. And they end up being one of your best employees. So the point that, that the fact that they didn't even test the water on that just really blows my mind. But... I think Dabo has shown that that he he likes that loyalty. He likes to keep things in house. Like I said, you know, it's been since 2013 that they've really gone outside of that Clemson family, right. um, and he's had a lot of success doing it. This will be the truest test, though, to see if he can continue to have success. Absolutely, and I just wonder if this is his version. You know, we've talked about this before on the show. Nick Saban, when when you come in and be a, to be a coach at Nick Saban's Alabama. You, as the coach, learn the system. Yeah. You learn the terminology of the formations, and then you put your own spin on it. 
But he basically says, this is our offense or this is our defense. This is what we call things. These are the terms we use. Learn it, and then you can run it how you want to run it right. with my feedback, obviously. And I wonder if Dabo's trying to do something similar in I'm not making it hard on our players. You know, Streeter can can call things and use the same terminology. Like, formations alone on offense, for example, can be called different things. Right. One man's trips is another man's tray. Or another, you know, in in uh, the air raid, it's very color-oriented. Right. Blue and green and red. And there's different for everybody. Same with defenses. You know, you got bear and tiger and some teams go by that or colors or, you know, a number system. So I kind of understand, hey, we're going to make it easy on our players. We're going to keep the system that we have had success with. But here's the thing. Brent Venables was a really good recruiter. Yes. Along with being a great defensive coordinator, a great recruiter. Yes. Tony Elliott recruited pretty well. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they filled that with these two guys. That, that's a great point that I think a lot of people aren't talking about enough. And and maybe and I, I don't you know I I don't really think as somebody like Wes Goodwin who was who was elevated from a senior defensive analyst right. into this role. I, I don't really think those guys can recruit. So right. this is going to be new territory for them. And that is as we have talked about. Recruiting is probably the most important part of this game. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I, I feel like you said this is going to be the biggest test of Dabo's loyalty, Clemson family, keeping it in the family type system. Going to be interested to see. Um, speaking of Clemson and recruiting and things of that nature, they've had the exact opposite happening with Transfer Portal. Mm-hmm. We South Carolina is bringing in some big names. Clemson's losing some big names. Yeah. And, you know, you've, you've lost Tony Elliott. You've lost Brent Venables. That's interesting. Their recruiting class, I believe, I haven't looked at it today, I know going in was pretty low numbers. I think it was only like 12, 14 players. Yeah. Now, they got Cade, is it Klubnik? Is that Klubnik, how I say yeah. his name? Klubnik. From uh, Westlake High School, famous Texas high school down in Austin. Drew Brees played there. Nick Folds played there. Uh, fly Eagles, fly Nick. We, we love you up in Philly. Um, thanks for our Super Bowl. But, it, it, you know, a lot of good players come out of there. He's the top one of the top quarterbacks in the in the 2022 class. So that's it's not like they're not getting good players. Right. They just haven't gotten the number that they usually get, and you're getting transfers out. Right. That, that has to be concerning. That has to be concerning. Yeah, and another thing that I noticed this morning when I checked their class, and, and I know you know a lot of things have happened since this morning when I looked at it, but as far as looking at their commit list, two, only two offensive linemen on that list. Yeah. And if there's anything that they need is offensive linemen. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they did pick up a great local South Carolina product, wide receiver, somebody that South Carolina went after heavy, yep. Antonio Williams from Dutch Fork High School. Um, and I watched very closely to see, you know, like, because he was kind of supposedly anyway, from what the rumors were, he was on the fence. Went ahead and announced early, I'm going to Clemson, committed verbally. And he did sign with Clemson today. Um, you know, that's that's a good player, local player that they got there. Um, so it's going to be interesting to watch. Clemson's definitely not rebuilding. No. But they're, they're, this is, in my opinion, a chink in the armor. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see because, again, the transfer portal. Let's say Clemson does go out and fall flat next season. Let's say they struggle. Yeah. Let's say it's bad on both sides of the ball. They could lose a lot. Yeah. They could lose a lot. And yeah. it's very 
intriguing. Um, one last thing, there was lots of talk about Coach Sweeney Dabo going out to Las Vegas, watching the Raiders play. <laughs> he had on a Raiders shirt and a Raiders hat. Obviously, Hunter Winthrow plays out there. Uh, you know, former Clemson Tiger. There was some talk of does Dabo have interest in the NFL? I don't see him as an like and I, I don't see him as an NFL coach because of how he coaches, in my opinion. But I don't see him as a guy who has that interest either. Yeah, I, I think I think there's there's something to that. However, on the flip side, I could see, and I'm not saying this is happening, and and I, and I will say I I will put it to, to bed right now based on simply on the fact that. These new OCs and DCs that they promoted within got three-year deals. Yes. If, the, if that was even possible, possibility that he was leaving, they wouldn't have gotten three-year deals. That's right. However, all that aside, could you not see a situation where maybe at some point Dabo does jump to the NFL, right. tries it out for a few years, and after three, four, maybe five years, Saban is, is sliding That's out right. of Alabama. That's right. That's the only college in the country that Dabo would leave Clemson I agree. for or, or, or would coach other than Clemson as Alabama. Well, and, and you think about the path. Think about what, you know, Nick Saban went from LSU, won a national championship, goes to Miami. I think he was there two, maybe three years. Yeah. Came, came to Alabama. Um, I always remember, I think Andy Boyd told this story on the pod one time. You remember when all that happened, when the Alabama job became open, Steve Spurrier had just gotten to South Carolina, yeah. and there was rumors he was going to leave and go to go to uh, Alabama. And he called a team team only meeting. Like news stations from Alabama came to Columbia and started. <laughs> Andy Boyd told me this. Started interviewing as he walked out of this team meeting, going, "Well, what, you know, how do you feel that Coach Saban's or Coach Spurrier's going to Alabama?" He's like, "He's not." He told us. <laughs> he told us he's staying here. So you know that was a big thing. So going to Alabama is a big deal. Alabama is the blue blood, and and you know that is huge. That is huge. Um, so that that'll be interesting to watch. All right. So last thing um, on Clemson Cheese It Bowl, Thomas. What what's your Cheese It of choice? You know, I've been thinking about this a lot, and um, and I'm probably gonna say the OG. Yeah, Cheese yep. It. I'm yep. a big Strong. fan of that. Strong. Close, close, very close second is the white cheddar. Yeah, I do good. like the white cheddar, and finally the worst. And I haven't even tried them yet, oh but I don't need to. Is the extra toasty? Oh man, I, I think you may have just ended our friendship. Um, what? I love those what? things, dude. I love them. They're Why? delicious. They're just—they're good. They're very—they're very good. I feel they're like I gotta good. try them now, but I just nothing about them being extra toasty appeals to me. Right. If they said maybe extra salty, I'm right? A big fan of the salt, right? I could go for that, but I don't know about remind the extra me toast. with. With uh, pub chips, are you a, are you a floppy guy? Is that? Yeah, I, I like a little bit in the middle, okay, like okay. a semi floppy. Gotcha. You know, yeah. because if you go straight floppy, sometimes it's like they just took the it's raw like, potatoes like and like dipped them raw. in the yeah, yeah. yeah, I've I gotten that before, and I was like, never doing that again. Yeah, yeah, I will say though, that. my my favorite cheese it is the spicy cheese it, like original okay. flavor okay. with that little bit of spice to it. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I'm a big spice guy. And, but I think you're right. The original OG, just regular old, give me a cheese hit, is pretty doggone good yeah. and hard to beat. Yeah. Um, now they've made it a lot easier for us lately. They got those duos, those combo bags, nice. which is always nice. That's, that's the nice. best of both worlds. Absolutely. Did I see that there's a like a giant one now? Like you can get the yeah. biggest one? That's yeah. crazy. I love it. I love it. So anyway, all right. Well, that is what we are talking about this week. We will be back soon. Uh, probably not next week because we got holidays coming up. Uh, I'll be out of town. We got family stuff to do, but we'll be back in two weeks. 
Uh, Thomas, we'll talk. We got plenty of time still to talk playoffs, to talk uh, you know bowl games, and really dive into next in two weeks. We'll dive into South Carolina versus North Carolina and Clemson versus Iowa, Iowa State, excuse me, and what that looks like from an X and O point. Um, going into those games because we still got plenty of time to break those down because we're, we're still a couple weeks away. Yeah, and, and I think if, if, if our scheduling is right, we we may be recording right before the Cheez-It Bowl starts. Nice. That might be a nice little, hey, while we're recording, yeah, seeing some things like on the that. TV. It's a good idea. Right, a little, little coach's room. little live, live watch type yeah. thing. That could be cool. We could do something like that, maybe even get a little Facebook Live going. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. Uh, slightly Above Average Football Fan, it's at SAA Football fan and we will see you next time thomas say goodbye to the people enjoyed it again hope everybody has a great holiday and um hope you have more fun explaining the transfer portal to your significant other than i did <laughs>